everybody, and welcome back to the Seven Innings Podcast. We've got another great debate for you this week, and we've got another bracket. I'm sure you've probably already checked it out. If not, it's at Seven Innings Podcast on your Twitter and your Instagram. It's pitchers who rake. Who is the best hitting pitcher in college softball history? Beth Mullins from the great outdoors this week. Jay Mendoza is with us. Holly Rowe, Amanda Scarborough, Jen Schroeder, Michelle Smith. We've also got Vegas Vicky on board with us and the usual cast of crew behind the scenes getting the job done. J Mac, Jory, Justine Bailey, and Buzz Lightyear. Let's talk pitchers who rake, ladies. And, and if there was some confusion about the brackets, like for example, the rise ball region, those are just generic names. They're not necessarily what they threw. We just wanted to come up with a creative way to break down the regions. So that's what we've got for you. Let's talk first and foremost, some breaking news, Holly Rowan. What do you have for us out of Mississippi State? Because we want to make sure softball fans are on board with this. That's right. This is very exciting. So everybody knows about Alex Wilcox, the beautiful young lady from Mississippi State who passed away two years ago in June from ovarian cancer. And Mississippi State last year did this very special thing called the wall sit challenge. For four minutes and 28 seconds, she sat against a wall. And guys, it went viral. Let me read some of these numbers. More than 230 collegiate softball programs participated, 42 high school club and professional teams. The challenge spread to 42 states, Japan, and included notable participants such as ESPN's Holly Rowe. Notable. Very excited. And U.S. national team pitcher Kaylani Ricketts. So what they're asking is that on Tuesday, everybody post their wall sit challenge um, and sit for four minutes and 28 seconds in memory of Alex. Hashtag no one fights alone. Hashtag 428 wall sit challenge. So let's see if we can get this bigger and better than last year. Everybody participate. Um, I want to make sure we, we were all so touched and so devastated um, when Alex passed away and what she went through going through chemo one day, coming out and practicing for Mississippi State the next afternoon. She was such a warrior. We want to make sure her name lives on forever. So please, everyone participate. Hashtag WallSit Challenge, 428 WallSit Challenge. And you can do that this coming Tuesday. I can't wait to see everybody's posts. All right, mark that on your calendars. And, of course, uh, you'll be able to see us posting our videos as we WallSit Challenge as well all next week. Should we do it together? I was wondering if we should do it together when we tape the podcast. The next podcast, absolutely, we can do that. Voices. I think that great. <laughs> Mendoza may need to do it from the side of a mountain. I'm not sure where she is right now, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll do it in a waterfall. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Jess, why don't you start us off the conversation about pitchers who rake. You've had the opportunity, the pleasure or misfortune of having to hit off a lot of these women. And just the the challenge of facing somebody that you also know what's going through their minds because they have been in the batter's box themselves. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with pitchers who rake is the fact that there's just another level of athleticism. I mean, that is the one thing that you just notice about how they pitch is they're athletes. And I hate saying that not all pitchers are athletes because they are, they're all athletic in their own way, but there's something fiercer about a pitcher who can play another position, who can hit, who is so versatile. We all started out that way. We all did every position, did everything. But to be able to do it at the D1 college softball level, I just think takes it up another notch of how good they really are. And when I would face a pitcher that I knew could also rake, it was an intimidation factor beyond just what they could do in the circle, but the fact that they were an athlete on another level. 
Well, Scarborough and Smitty are both in the bracket, so we'll be discussing their resumes shortly. But, Amanda, why don't you start us off and just the mindset of knowing that you have not one but two jobs to do every time you take the field. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about it when we knew we were to be talking about what it was like to pitch and hit. And I instantly went back to the field and I put myself on the field in game time competitive mode. And there's no turning off Beth in those games for a pitcher who hits. You're constantly thinking, you're constantly thinking about strategy, adjustments, what you can do better. And I think um, most importantly, trying to separate both to where you can still have a clear mind to hit, even if you gave up a home run, or if you just struck out at the plate, you can go out and strike people out in the circle. So I just love that mentality that you had to just be constantly engaged and constantly challenging yourself. Yeah. And, and Amanda, for me, it, it really was almost a release. Uh, I didn't start to pitch. I was a sophomore in high school. And when my first couple of years in college, pitching was extremely stressful to me because I wasn't really sure you know, I was in growth. I didn't know how good I was. And, and I'd always been an athlete, always been a hitter. So I enjoyed hitting. It was my release. It was fun. It was challenging. Unlike the pressure of being a pitcher where you throw one bad pitch and your team could lose the game. So for me, I had to mature. I had to stay focused, but more importantly as well, as a pitcher who hits, you're typically first to practice and last to leave and your time commitment and the ability to really prioritize and stay focused is going to be huge. So uh, for me, it was a lot of different things, but, but I loved it and it kept me involved in all aspects of the game. This is all wonderful information, but it's time now for the truth, folks, from Shro in the Know. Not only managing a pitcher's ego behind the plate, but also a pitcher who rakes. Is that twice the ego, Jen Schroeder? I have to say, yes, absolutely. And and not just like, but when Amanda's saying we don't get a time off, we don't get a timeout, right? It's the same thing for catchers, except for now we're managing somebody else's emotion. So I had the pleasure of catching Megan Langenfeld in in college, someone who was on this bracket, and I also was her high school catcher. So grew up, she was two years younger than me, and definitely got to watch her transform into one of the best of all time. But it was difficult seeing her be super upset when she was struggling offensively or super upset when she was struggling in the circle and just helping her realize that we have to play two games. We have to play the defensive game and we have to play the offensive game. And that mindset has to be different in each way that you approach offense and defense. Uh, but I actually liked that as a catcher, getting to help my pitcher be better than maybe she wouldn't would have been if she had a different catcher. So it's kind of a personal challenge for me. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we looked at personalities. We looked at stats. We looked at championships because I think we were all in agreement that the ring is a big thing if you can get one of those. So all of that went into play when we put the bracket together. We're going to look at the rise ball region right now where the number one seed would be Lauren Hager. She's up against UCLA's Courtney Dale. Then the 4-5 matchup, Minnesota Sarah Gronwagen against Jessica Vanderlinden. I think that's going to be a very close one. Vegas Vicky. Her matchup of intrigue here is uh, Jackie Trena, Alabama national champ, and Miranda Ellish. We got a current player involved. And then D'Lo with the Velo, Danielle Laurie, and Olivia Galati. I know that really was a gut wrencher for Horo to try and pick a winner in that one. Well, I love them both so much. So I have the great fortune. Olivia Galati, for those of you who don't know, played at Hofstra. You know, some of our uh, mid-majors and they got to the super regionals that year 
And she was one of the gutsiest pitchers I have ever seen. They went three games with USF. She pitched her you-know-what-off. She was so, so good. And I really believe she will go down as one of the best pitchers I've ever seen, one of the best players I've ever seen that wasn't at a Power 5 school and, um, you know, they were one, one pitch away from one, one hit away from making it to the women's college world series. Um, and so I just, I loved her so much, but of course, you know, it's hard to go against Danielle Laurie. I think one of the greats we've ever seen in our game and Danielle Laurie winning a national championship. And I, I've always loved it when at the women's college world series, a pitcher gives up a hit or a run scores. And then their very next at bat, they get it right back. And that was Danielle Laurie. She had this like, Oh no, you don't to her that I absolutely loved. So this was a really hard one for me because I, I really loved and appreciated both of them. Danielle Laurie is going to move on in that one. 136 wins. Olivia had 129, both extremely successful. Jackie train of the J train is going to roll in this one. I think on the strength of 106 wins, and the national championship, Miranda Elish, obviously, still a work in progress. Lauren Hager gets the sweep over Courtney Dale. But Courtney is a former Pac-10 player of the year back when it was just the P-10. Had 56 wins and also has that star, that asterisk next to her name or the star as a national champion. She and Amanda Freed actually uh, were together in the circle in that national championship game for the Bruins. And uh, the the close one here was uh, the four five Gromwangen and uh, Vanderland and Jess was a a player of the year nationally at Florida State and Sarah had over a hundred wins. What do we think of that one, Amanda? Yeah, you know this one was really interesting to me because I feel like for two different reasons I didn't know a ton about Jessica Vanderlinden because I feel like I started watching softball pretty intensely in like. I don't know, my freshman year in college, to be honest. So I didn't know that much about her. So when I saw that she was a National Player of the Year, a Honda Award winner in the FSU Hall of Fame, uh, hit 361, had a 1.24 ERA, I was like, okay, this girl is legit. And then for Sarah Gronewagen, who played at Minnesota, we just didn't see her that much because we didn't see her at the Women's College World Series. But Sarah had 107 wins, had 36 home runs, 157 RBIs, Big Ten Player of the Year, Big Ten Pitcher of the Year. So this one was really close. I gave the nod to Vanderlinden because of her National Player of the Year honors and also playing the Women's College World Series twice. And you were on the side of the winner on that one. Here's your bracket if you want to fill it in. It's Hager and JVL advancing to the second round. And how about J-Train and D-Lo with the Velo in a matchup in the Rise Ball region. The two and the three seeds will advance. Let's move on now to the Drop Ball region, gang where uh, I know Lisa Fernandez is going to be tough to beat as the overall number one. We got a, we got another Aggie in the mix here, Mel Dumasic, and then Nancy Evans, Arizona national champ, and Sarah Griffin in the 4-5 matchup. That is the Vegas-Vicky uh, matchup of intrigue in this region. The three seed is Megan Langenfeld and Sam Shaw, the bat flipper. That's going to be an intriguing one. And then Kaylani Ricketts, Oklahoma national champ against Florida national champion, Alicia Ocasio, who wants to lead us off here, folks? I'll go. All right, Shro. I mean, why not? Uh, obviously, in this region, to me, Lisa Fernandez is the front runner. She's the front runner throughout this entire bracket. But you know who really impressed me? Diving into Nancy Evans' stats, because I feel like I didn't get to see her play. I knew her as a coach at a rival school at Arizona when I was at UCLA. 
But when I look at what she did, both in the circle and in the box, only lost eight games in her entire career, 1.39 ERA, a three-time national champion, and a Honda winner. And we had a lot of Honda winners on this list, and that's an award, kind of like a national championship, that I put a lot of weight in because that means you're the best player in all of softball. And potentially if you win the cup, like Lisa Fernandez or Rachel Garcia, you're the best in all sports. So I was very impressed by her. Also, even though Megan Langenfeld was a teammate, I mean, I was impressed by her overall stats, which I know originally we had her seated a little bit lower and we bumped her up. She had an incredible, incredible career. And then can't say enough good things about both Ocasio and Ricketts, but Ricketts, the first player ever to get back-to-back National Player of the Year honors. Um, I, I took her. So this is a really great bracket or a really great region. Hey, to me. Well, hey, hey, can I give selection committee? Are, have you, like, this was a selection committee controversy. So <laughs> are you going to show us the selection committee? Well, the, the selection committee is busy right now is napping, but uh, I mean, I could, <laughs> I could break them out right here. All right. How late were they up last night? We were up very late and into the wee hours of the morning, actually. So there is the selection committee. They will have a report out on social media, um, and I'll talk uh, all about them. That's Hillary Hahn, by the way, right there, the uh, Grammy-winning violinist, chin music. Uh, But Jessica Mendoza from the great uh, outdoors has something for us. Well, I wanted to give love because I think all these winners we're going to continue to talk about. But uh, one of the ones that was intriguing for me when it was a little bit tougher, even though I'm a huge Nancy Evans fan, was Sarah Griffin. She's someone yeah. I grew up just five minutes down the road from. I watched her play in, in Simi Valley, which is right by where I lived. And um, she was somebody that really put that school on the map. I mean, you got to think about Michigan going up north, uh, a Southern California girl. I know she was a huge name in her area and just no players at that time were going to that part of the country to play softball, let alone win awards and do everything that she went, did uh, over a hundred wins, big 10 or big 10 player of the year. I mean, there was so much about her. So I just remember growing up, I was behind her. She was a huge reason why Michigan then continued forward and honestly ultimately won the championship years down the road was because of player who hit a pitcher who raked like Sarah Griffin. When she graduated from Michigan, she was number one in victories and number one in hits. That speaks to the versatility of her as a pitcher who rakes. Uh, no surprises in this one. Lisa will meet Nancy Evans in the second round and then Megan Langenfeld against Kehlani Ricketts in the second round. That, that bracket is stacked. I may have to talk to the selection committee about the placement of that one. Um, we're going to move on now. Our next region. And uh, Michelle Smith is the number one seed. Okay. Oh, I want to vote on the number one seed. Can I talk about Michelle Smith? Yes, you can. But let me just run on. She'll face Kirsten uh, Burden, a superstar at DePaul. The 4-5 matchup, Allie Carta, UCLA, Stephanie Van Brakel, Alabama. Um, Megan Gibson and Susie Para, a very good 3-6 matchup. And then JMU's Megan Good against Monica Triner from USF. Vegas Vicky. Holly Rowe agrees with you. She thinks that's the matchup of intrigue, the 1-8 with Smitty and Verdun. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. But let me tell you, I voted for Michelle Smith in this because of what she overcame in her life. I think a lot of people forget that she was in a serious car accident and ruined her elbow. There was a chance that she would never play softball again, let alone pitch, let alone hit. And so I personally know that Michelle Smith overcame 
almost more than any of these other players physically to become the player that she is. Obviously a two-time Olympian after that, two-time gold medal winner. And I'm just really proud of Michelle Smith. She never brags about herself, so I have to do it. I'm her personal hype person. But uh, she overcame that tragic car accident and horrible elbow injury to become the player she is. Well, thank, thank you, Holly. That means the world to me. I actually, um, when I started to uh, dive into the stats, I actually couldn't even find mine. I had to, to really dig deep. But then to, to go up uh, to Kirsten's, I, I, I couldn't find them. And when I found them, I was like, holy cow, this is going to be an upset. <laughs> when I started looking at her numbers, I mean, she was awesome at DePaul. I, I, I was at 105 victories, 37 home runs. So it was, it was, um, that was an interesting matchup. And I, and I was like, Oh man, I'm going to be potentially could be the number one seed that gets bounced uh, before the second round. <laughs> well, Schmitty, I can tell you that you did advance from that one and a Woo! victory for Michelle Smith. Uh, she will face Allie Carta. I thought this was a terrific four or five matchup. Allie with 100 wins, Stephanie Van Brakel with 97 wins, Carta uh, with the advantage there, um, Susie Para and Megan Gibson, and Para with the upset on that one. It went to extra innings, as a matter of fact, and uh, we put the uh, international rule to run around second base, and Para edges out Megan Gibson. Megan had one heck of a career as your teammate, I believe, Amanda Scarborough. 88 wins and a 361 BA. Yeah, um, and career records at AM. Uh, and maybe Tori Vidalis just recently broke this. I can't remember, but um, at the tops for RBIs, home runs, doubles, like she, she hit like crazy her entire career. And I always hit right behind Megan. Um, so I got to see exactly what she was doing at the plate all the time. And so whenever I remember I got hurt my senior year and Megan had to step up and throw legitimately at 90% of the innings and took us to the championship series against Arizona state in 2008. And so she put the team on her back. She became just such a monster that year with all the pressure that she was under and she got national player of the year runner up. Uh, but I'm not meaning to sound biased. We all thought that she should have gotten player of the year. Angela Tincher got it. Tincher, just a pitcher, and Megan, a pitcher who raped, right? So we thought she should have won it, uh, but Megan had an incredible career in the A&M Hall of Fame, three-time All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Good is also going to win against Monica Triner. Monica, back in the 90s for USF, a 390 hitter with some power and had 92 wins and a sub-1. ERA. I think we got to dive a little bit deeper as we move along as to whether or not pitchers who rake uh, turn down their noses at pitchers who don't rake. That might be an interesting discussion. But <laughs> let's move on. Of course they do. Did you pick up on that, Holly? I got a, I got a whiff of that. Uh, it was pitcher. Pitcher, and she used air quotes too, like who just pitched. I think that was not. I don't know what came out of me, but maybe it's the truth. I don't know. But it should be. She went out at that World Series, right? She did. She went two and out there, two and a Q. Yeah. So that's uh, let's see. um, Stephanie Brenbakel. Before we move on, she was a monster. I don't think people gave her enough love. Uh, You know, she was at the World Series. We covered her as a player, and I absolutely feared, loved, admired Stephanie Van Brakel. She was a monster with the bat, commanded that circle, and I, I really love her, and I wish people knew more about her game as a pitcher. Yeah. She was great. 
over a thousand strikeouts, as a matter of fact, for Stephanie. Um, let's move on now to our final region. It's the curveball region. And again, that's just a name. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, these guys all threw great curveballs or not, but we're looking for the best hitting pitcher in college softball history. Jenny Finch is the one seed here against Erica Beach. Oh, that's an Arizona, Arizona State matchup. I think we might have Mendoza jump into that. This is also the all Amanda region. Amanda Freed, Amanda Scarborough, Amanda Scott all coming up. Uh, Scott taking on Jalen Ford. We got our second uh, JMU player in here. Vegas Vicky has the matchup of intrigue also, an all-West Coast affair. Rachel Garcia and uh, Tara Baster from Oregon State. What say you, Mendoza, about the West Coast love in this region? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my biggest thing is is the fact that with especially when I'm looking at Erica Beach, uh, I, I, she's somebody I pushed to even be in this bracket because I had to face her. And, and this is one where you guys like numbers don't always like come across, especially when you are a pitcher who hits and you see these like stupid numbers of like pitchers that hit 400 and have like a 0.5 ERA. But Erica Beach playing against her my entire college career, that entire team, you got to understand ASU was insignificant at this time. Erica Beach came in with a slew of, of hitters and she carried that team and put ASU on the map in the Pac-10 at the time. So Erica Beach, not going to get a lot of love. Kind of unfair. She's against Finch first round, but I'll tell you what, she was, she was a heck of a player. She was so excited to be in this bracket. Did you guys see her tweeting? Yes. She tweeted it out and she was like, man, I think I'm overmatched and I'm not moving on, but I'm so thankful to even be in this bracket. And I'll never forget being in high school and I was shopping at the Irvine Spectrum with my dad and the World Series game was on TV at the outdoor mall that's local to us. And there was a bunch and she dove off the mound to catch a ball and double somebody up. I will never forget it for as long as I live watching that moment. Well, in her senior year, she had 33 wins on the season. She was 33 and 15. I mean, that's a staggering amount of games to throw in and then also hit. Yeah, she was a stud. Uh, Jalen Ford at JMU, uh, 82 wins, 46 home runs. Amanda Scott, though, is going to pick up the win there. More on Amanda coming up. Uh, Rachel Garcia is also going to advance down at the bottom of the bracket. Tara Baster, 91 wins and 52 homers. Go Beebs. Uh, but it will be Garcia moving on. And all right, who wants to tackle the, uh, the Battle of the Amandas? Freed and Scarborough. Freed, the national champ at UCLA. Scarborough, of course, near and dear to our hearts here on the program. Well, I voted for Amanda in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's going to move on. <laughs> Amanda is a great pitcher. <laughs> Amanda Scarborough had 71 wins, uh, a 608 slugging percentage, and we all recall the, I think one of the iconic moments in World Series history was the walk to the mound uh, with the boot on uh, to go talk to Megan Gibson in that tough series against Arizona State. But can it will I, be Amanda Freed that will be moving on here. Mendoza? Can I jump in on Amanda Scarborough, though? And, and I just remember, because this was in the very beginning of my television career, so actually being able to watch a game and then try to tell viewers like what we're seeing on the field. And I remember the combination of Amanda Scarborough and Megan Gibson was absolutely must watch television. And the reason was, is I wanted every young girl to see how you could go from the mound to the batter's box and be able to be so successful in both. And Amanda Scarborough, like watching her, it was unbelievable, especially your freshman year. 
to come in, the numbers you did day one, you were the, what, rookie of the year and the player of the year within the conference. Like, I mean, that just doesn't happen right away. And I, I just remember when I was doing those early games, thinking and wanting so many young girls. And now, of course, you are influencing so many young girls. But I, it started your freshman year of seeing how poised and able to do both sides of the ball. And it was it was so, so cool for me because it was the first time I was on television trying to, like, explain to people. And then I just was like, just watch. Watch Amanda and watch Megan Gibson because that is an athlete. Yeah, and Jeff, you know, I want to follow up on that real quick, too, because I remember when Amanda was a freshman and she was roping the ball. She was playing first base as well as hitting and pitching. And um, when I was digging deeper into her numbers, a 405 batting average as a freshman, 11 home runs. She was 26-2 and two in the circle, just 182 innings pitch, a sub-1 ERA. I mean, she was unbelievable. And I remember because I was still playing professionally in Japan and, and uh, coming back to call the Women's College World Series as well. And I was like, man, these guys, this, this kid is a stud. I cannot wait to watch her through her career and, you know, stellar career and, and, and going into that senior season with Megan Gibson where I just thought that, you know, it's like now she's the prototypical teammate where she was out there supporting her teammate, trying to help her, even though she was injured. And so, Amanda, I think that's why um, I think we're all, we're all like wowed by your, your career and what you Amanda did. Amanda Scarborough, this is your life. <laughs> can, I add, can I add a little bit more love for my friend? All right, let's, let's, go, let's go to Jen Schroeder first, and then I think her second grade teacher is on the line. Let, uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> when I think people think of Texas A&M, they think SEC softball, which Amanda did not play in the SEC. She played in the Big 12, and her freshman year was against Kat Osterman. So you're talking rivalry. We're not talking, you know, SEC early 2000s when they weren't good. We're talking competitive Big 12 softball when she walked in and put up those numbers. So I think that also shows just how dominant she was at a young age against someone who's known as one of the best in the whole world. That's the category Amanda Scarborough's in. Thank you guys. I'll not be writing a check. I'll wire you guys each so much. <laughs> You've been no social distancing, you know, uh, but thanks. I, I truly was honored to be in the bracket to just be completely honest. Um, but here's the one last thing, Beth, and we can move on, but the competitive side of me, which is so bad that I could have seen what would have happened my senior year? Because maybe we win the national championship if I'm not hurt. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't, we don't even make the postseason. You never know. It could go really well or it could go really bad. But the competitive side of me just wishes so badly I could have finished that year and just seeing what could have happened with, with our team that year. But, yeah. Well, it's it's very timely too, Amanda, of course, with the everybody playing this year unable to – finish their season for a much different reason, but obviously you have some incredible insight into not being able to be on the field for those, uh, for those final days. So we do appreciate that as well. It is time now to move on to the second round. Ladies, we're going to run through the bracket seven innings podcast, Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, Michelle Smith, Jen Schroeder, Amanda Scarborough, and out in the, in the uh, wild uh, confines or environs, I should say of Southern California, or wait, are you in Oregon now? Yes, nice, nice. Uh, out enjoying a little fresh air is the Doza, Jessica Mendoza. Uh, second round, let's move back to the top of the bracket. And we are looking at Lauren Hager against Jessica Vanderlinden and the J Train against D-Lo with the V-Lo. Any thoughts on whether or not Lauren Hager should be moving on? Of course, when we talk about the Babe Ruth, the softball, finishing out her career with over 70 wins and over 70 home runs. I voted Hager on this one. I voted Hager as well. 
Yeah, you. You, know, you look back at her career in that senior season. I mean, she was – the other thing you have to remember, she also played a position first base and decided in her senior year, nope, I'm going to focus on hitting and pitching, and she did that, and her pitching numbers just went through the chart. I think Lauren Hager absolutely should advance out of this one. Yeah. That, when they Can won- I just give – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to give Jessica Vanderlyn some love since uh, she's leaving the bracket. And it's so hard, like, when you look at, like, wait, they're not ready to go. They're so good. Because Vanderlinden really, I mean, Florida State, what she did to get to the World Series. I mean, everyone knows what she did getting USA Softball Player of the Year, just the third one to get it. But to me, Vanderlyn, she had 20 game-winning RBIs her senior season. And she set a record. She pitched almost every inning to get to the World Series. So, did it with the bat, did it. She threw that team. And honestly, I feel like the reason they couldn't go far in the World Series is because she was their team at Florida State. They had a few other studs, but oh my gosh, did she carry that team and get them to Oklahoma City. That was my year at the World Series. And I sat by her dad. So still to this day, he's on Facebook and sends me pictures of her and the kids. (laughs) I have kept up with the Vanderlinden family. So they're near and dear to my heart. She was amazing. One of the first uh, great ones in NCAA uh, tournament play for Florida State, but the one seed moves on to the quarterfinals. Lauren Hager, who's she going to face? For me, this is one of the more emotional matchups of of the whole darn thing. When you you think about Danielle Laurie and the career she had, and then the dominant performance to win the 2009 national championship with a team, remember that was on the road for like a month. They didn't get to host the early rounds. They had to hit the road and head east. And then Jackie Trana. For me, as as great as she was in winning the national championship as a sophomore, I, I almost think the better performance was getting that team back to the championship series as a senior and really putting so much weight on her shoulders to get them there before they eventually fell to Florida. Yeah, I, I think I think of both of these women as just such fierce competitors. Both have the national championship. They've proven themselves on the big stage. You you watch them as a fan, and you're like, I want that girl on my team. I want her to have the ball. I want the bat in her hand. She can make a difference. And so you, you just, like, imagine yourself playing with these women and it's how cool it would be to fight with them and compete with them. Uh, but, you guys, I think for me, it, it's Danielle getting the edge on this one. Uh, the amount of strikeouts that she had, we haven't talked about that yet. Over 1,800 strikeouts. That's number four all-time in NCAA. Uh, and a 1.24 ERA. It's just wild. I agree. Yeah, I agree. on this one, too. Yeah, I Me agree. Too. And I think, too, I go back to that Honda Award winner. She's a two-time Honda Award winner. And also, when you think of that Washington team, they were on the road for legitimately almost a month. But even now, 11 years later, when someone brings up that national championship, they say, Oh, the Danielle Laurie's team? Like, that's how that national championship is referred to. And I think, uh, to me, it's Danielle here. Yeah. All right, Danielle Laurie's going to move on. So that sets up the Rise Ball Region Final. Lauren Hager and Danielle Laurie. Whoo, that's coming up later in the program. Smitty, let's move on to Lisa Fernandez and Nancy Evans, a couple of national champs. Uh, Evans, the best winning percentage in NCAA history. Lisa one of just two pitchers with an undefeated season that was capped off with a national championship. Well, in in my opinion, you got to go with Lisa Fernandez here. And this is that prototypical uh, matchup of a Bruin against the Wildcats, right? Talk about the history of our game. This is the matchup, right? That has just been a slugfest throughout um, 
the last 40 years. But to me, Lisa Fernandez, uh, having, you know, played with her for a gazillion years um, with the U.S. team, she's just that athlete that is going to excel at everything she does. And, um, you know, she led the country in batting average and an ERA in the same year. And when we're talking about pitchers, and there's your ERA, batting average hitters, that uh, pitchers at rake. So for me, it's Fernandez. I mean, nothing, taking nothing away from Evans, because you're right, her, her numbers were outstanding and what she did for the Wildcats, just a great athlete, great fielder, really good hitter. But Lisa Fernandez is, is a juggernaut. Yes. Yeah. I, I, just to build up Nancy Evans, cause we're going to talk about Lisa throughout this, I'm sure. Um, and I can say a million things, but Nancy Evans, I remember being asked when I was in high school who, what player I wanted to be. And I was actually being asked is like a major league. They wanted to know what major league baseball player I wanted to be. And I remember answering Nancy Evans and they were like, no, 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 no like a, like an athlete, like a, and I was like, Nancy, cause in my world, Nancy Evans was the Babe Ruth. That was the player that I watched. And that was when television, you were first starting to see ESPN start to broadcast games. And I would watch every single one of UCLA and Arizona's games because those were the best players at the time. And Nancy Evans, I'll never forget the World Series. I don't know if you guys remember this. She dove. I, I just watched every move of hers. She dove off the mound for a bunt. I know I talked about this before. Caught it in there. It was like three feet in front of home plate and caught the ball in the air, jumped up and uh, doubled up someone that was supposed to advance from second base. And I was like, what just happened? Like, that's a pitcher Jesse right Warren there. Before Jesse Warren. But she was a pitcher too. And I hate like saying that, but like, I just, unfortunately you didn't see pitchers do stuff like that. It was like, stay in your circle. Don't leave the circle. Like I was always told, call off a fly ball. If it gets near the pitcher, don't let him catch it. And to see Nancy Evans, it blew my world away. She was someone that was just a must watch. I loved watching her play. I think we're going to move Lisa along here. Everyone in agreement, Lisa Fernandez into the quarterfinals. Uh, more to come later on. If Jessica Mendoza ever had to cover for a pitcher from the outfield to die, make a diving catch on the infield dirt. More on that later. Let's move on to Holly Rowe right now because I know it's tearing at the heartstrings. Is it going to be Lang or is it going to be Kaylani that will move on to face Lisa in the next round? This is an impossible. I, I'm so mad at the selection committee and Beth Mowens because she, how, how can we choose between these two? These are two of the best we have ever, ever seen. And I, you know, I feel like, um, I had to protest Megan Langenfeld's seating in this because I thought she was seated too low. But I, I just think that Megan Langenfeld, we keep saying this of coming up clutch in the biggest moments, but both of these did. Kaylani did. I I know you guys remember she gave up a home run and then she came up and crushed one to win that Oklahoma championship. And, um, you know, they, Kaylani got better year after year. I think that this is almost impossible for me to pick, but I think that um, Langenfeld had maybe the best senior season, the best women's college world series performance we've ever seen and really had just the one one pitch, and, and she said she could just place it so many different ways. So I, I go Lang out here, even we though have, we might have to do a head count on this one. That's one for Lang. I'm gonna I'm gonna put one on for Ricketts just for um you know the the, the 133 wins, the 1600 strikeouts, the ability to get the job done for four years. So that's one apiece. Where are we going, Shro? This one's hard for me. This one's very hard, and I battle back and forth. And so here's here's what I've got. My vote goes to Lang, and here's why. I think the Pac-12 conference was far superior than the Big 12, so who she faced both offensively and defensively across the board was better. 
that World Series that Holly was talking about, she was 12 for 17. She hit over 700 with a 1529 slugging percentage. By far the best World Series we've ever seen a pitcher have in the box. And I think when I look at Kaylani, she was great. There's no doubt she was great. First first player ever to receive two back-to-back player of the year honors. That's true. She had a ton of protection in the box with Lauren Chamberlain. She was not the star offensively where Megan Langenfeld was the star for UCLA, both sides of the ball. That's what, That's go, right? what you got, bro. Or what you got, Scar, bro. <laughs> you guys, I have been sitting here thinking about this and stewing. Um, and maybe it's just because I watched her pitch last night and she was just so dominant and whenever we got a chance to watch Alabama play against Oklahoma. Um, but I, I, I got to go with Kaylani Ricketts. Um, two to two. Just was so dominant in the circle. And, and she had a bomb that I think is still going. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Game three of the champ series. All right, we're getting Vegas Vicky ready in the bullpen. If we need a tie-break vote, it's down to Mendoza and Smitty. Uh, who wants to go first here? Age, age be age before outdoors. I, I have to go. Um, I have to go with Ricketts just because of the consistency of her career. Um, how how well she did. She was in a couple of World Series, um, and even though she was surrounded, uh, as as uh, Jen mentioned, with some other really good hitters in the lineup, she still came up with some really big hits in key moments. And she was the pitcher. Michelle Gascoigne, yes, obviously helped as well when they won that national championship. But, um, yeah, I thought it was Kaylani that really got them into that position to be able to win uh, those national championships, get them the second, third uh, national championships for Oklahoma. So that's the reason why I went with All right. You, you know, one of Mendoza's mentors is uh, Billie Jean, who says pressure is a privilege and the pressure is all on. What you got? I- yeah, I want to say Lang. I want to. I want to say Lang, so we can get to the tiebreaker. I think we need Vegas Vicky's anyway, yeah. just All because right. I want to know. Right. Three to three. It's a tiebreaker. Roll call. Vegas Vicky will determine who moves on to face Lisa Fernandez. Vicky. Oh, she's shaking her head. This is a. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. They were I don't both like so having... good on the biggest. Don't stage, go to the computer. Vicky. You've I'm seen not, them both. Just, I'm not just going with pure reaction. My pure reaction. Uh, I, 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 I hate to do this because I know the UCLA faithful is going to boo me. No! Here, but just on the eye test for me, having seen all of Kalani's uh, World Series appearances and having seen her play her entire college career, as I did Megan Langenfeld, but Kalani Ricketts stepped up at the plate and in the circle on the biggest stage multiple times. I can hear Beth Moen saying, and Megan Wagenfeld wins it in the bottom of the eighth in my head. But to me, Kalani Ricketts did it time and time again on the biggest stage. She gets my vote. Vegas Vicky for the all UCLA block. It will I love be, it. It will be Lisa and Kalani. And uh, Vegas Vicky, I hope you enjoyed your time inside the bubble because I'm not sure you'll be uh, in that Bruin bubble a whole lot longer. <laughs> So Bye, we got Lisa, Lisa and Kaylani, and we've got Hager versus Lori. Uh, let's move on now um, to uh, Smitty versus Carta, and then Susie Para, who was an upset winner in the first round against Megan Good. 
Scarborough, you want to start us off? I'm trying to find my note. What? Wait, which region are we in right now? Uh, we're in the we're in the change yeah. up region right now. Okay. Um, God, you know why I think this is getting? So, I, I feel like this is harder than the greatest slugger bracket because there's so many different variables. I think because it's really how you look at it. Are you going to look at their pitching stats deeper? Are you going to look at their hitting stats stats deeper? Are you going to look at championships? Are you going to look at how far they took a team to to places that that team had never been before? How many awards that they'd win? Um, so and it's Michelle versus Allie, right? I'm just kind of, yes. yes. Um, this is, this is old ball, new ball, I believe. And old distance, the balls again, the def- different eras, Michelle Smith. Like I yeah, think we just need distinction again. Yeah. In a 40, very 40 feet and 43 feet. And then the difference in the, uh, and this oh, is my college oh. bat. This is this thing. This is 32 ounces. It is a beast. And, and that's what you had to hit to get this pair of socks, I think uh, it's been called, to go over the fence, okay? So these are the weapons that we had to use back in the day. They are antiquated, uh, to say the least. And then this is the the new ball that is very, very lively, and you can see which way it's spinning and, and make it move. So, yes, yeah, very, very new ball, old ball, old ball. Okay, that gave me just enough time to come up with my answer. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with Michelle Smith. I've looked up to her for as long as I can remember. Um, one of my mentors, I, I, I just, she, I test got it all. Even though I didn't see her, if I did see her, she would pass my eye test. (laughs) Okay. This one's really hard for me. Um, I, I appreciated the ball analogy, the pair of socks. That's very much waiting on my opinion right now, because truly it, you, when, Michelle, when you look and dive into your numbers, we know Michelle Smith is the greatest of all time. Right. And then you go dive into numbers and you're like, Oh, one, I had a little bit of trouble finding them, Michelle. I'm sorry. I was really trying to go back to the, to the 19, you know, the late eighties, um, but you graduated with the crown and wins, strikeouts, shutouts, innings pitch, no hitters, perfect game, RBIs, home runs. I mean, just like on and on and on and on. And so I think for the impact that you had as Oklahoma State finishing second in the 90, in the 89 World Series, um, I, I think that the numbers are, are more comparable than they maybe look on paper. So I'm going to go with Michelle Smith as well. And that's not saying that Ali Carta does not deserve mention because her on base percentage was just 18 points below 500. Like she was on base half of her time at UCLA and she still currently in the UCLA pitching record books is fourth in strikeouts. And if you look at the legacy of UCLA pitchers, that is an incredible feat, but I'm going to go with Michelle as well. Smith. We need one more Smith. Okay. That will, uh, Smitty won't have to vote for herself just yet. So, uh, Michelle Smith moving on. And then I'm going to put up a, um, as much as I loved watching Susie Parra with Arizona in the, in the mid nineties, that, that was actually the first world series that, that we worked, uh, was 1994 when they won the national championship. Uh, Megan Good is just ridiculous with the numbers. I, I think we might have an interesting discussion about strength of competition over the course of their careers, but I'll put up a, a vote for Good. Yeah, I'll jump in there as well. I think um, Megan Good, just um, watching her on the eye test. And granted, I played with and against Susie Parra. Um, but Megan Good, just seeing what she has done uh, the last uh, four years at JMU, her numbers were outstanding. Her ERA, 120 wins. 
Um, just, just an incredible career. And, uh, so I, I really like her. She's just that great lean athlete that, um, can throw the ball and can rip it. Yeah. I, I have Cara. Oh, sorry. One for Cara, two for good. Scarborough? I was going to go Megan Good. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Cara. <gasps> oh, uh oh, uh oh. Pressure's on Horo all of a sudden. Three to two. Holly, let me, let me say something and maybe I can sway your vote a little bit. Okay. So I was. <laughs> And I read an entire article about how she was the reason that Arizona ended up being creating this legacy of national champions, Mm -hmm. that it was her and her generation in in 94 when they won that first Olympic or first national championship when she was player of the year. Uh, She had 10 home runs against ranked teams that it was what she did for Arizona. I read a quote that Mike Candrea said that she was the reason that Arizona created a legacy of championships. Wow. Well, I, I'm really torn on this because it's hard to compare eras, right? Like we saw Megan Good. We've seen her pitch. I have never seen Susie Para. However, every Arizona person we ever talk to will always say she was the greatest. You know, Jenny Finch gets a lot of attention and deservedly so, but that it was really Susie Para that was the greatest there. Um, if I'm reading this right, a sub one ERA. Mm-hmm. Yes. 0.3. I think I, Holly. I think Holly wants to push this to Vegas, Vicky. Right? Is that yeah, what I'm hearing? I, I yes. Three to three. Yeah. <laughs> Tiebreaker. Meg has to turn on her camera. <laughs> let's go to Let's go to the desert of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Vegas, Vicky. What do you got? Meg, if you don't vote for Susie Parra, I am going to take it as you don't like the Pac-10 or 12 at all. I'm just oh. taking it. Bearing in mind, of course, that one of our big bosses, uh, Lee Fitting, is a JMU guy. So oh, he's he also guy. playing here uh, majorly. Go ahead, Meg. I'm sorry. You were saying? If, if, I'm, if I'm going to use the same criteria that I used for Megan Langenfeld and Kalani Ricketts, then Vegas Vicky slash Jersey Meg's vote goes with the legend Susie Parra. Is amazing, but she never won a national championship. And to me, championships put you at a whole other level and a whole other category. Vegas Vicky votes for Susie Parra. All right, Parra. Oh, I had one to face Smitty. Can I say one other memory about Megan Good? Didn't she get hit in the arm during their super regional for JMU? And didn't she go up and bat? with like a broken arm or some kind of major injury. Am I remembering that right? That's the kind of toughness we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fine. We're on to our uh, final uh, region here. Finch versus Freed, uh, both uh, according to Vegas, Vicky, if you got a ring, that's the thing. They both have one. And then Amanda Scott against Rachel Garcia. This is all national champs here. Keeping in mind, Amanda Scott, if you're unfamiliar with the, uh, the legend of Fresno, over 100 wins, 31 home runs, over 200 RBI, and a win over Nancy Evans when Florida, uh, when uh, Fresno State won their national championship. So let's start out here with Jenny Finch and Amanda Freed, keeping in mind that Finch, like Lisa Fernandez, has one of those undefeated seasons capped off with the 2001 Natty. 
Well, I'm going to go I, I, and uh, say that you, I, I think you got to go with Jenny Finch, just her ability to hit the long ball. So she was a four average hitter. She hit for power. She pitched with power. She won national championships. Um, so for me, I, I go with Finch. Now, Freed, though, I, again, I love her. I've played with her. Great athlete. She wasn't a power hitter. She was more of a four average hitter. Um, good batting average, uh, ability to pitch, ability to play outfield. She did that on the Olympic teams, national champion as well uh, with Courtney Dale, as you mentioned earlier. So I, I love the fact that Amanda um, was so versatile, but I think uh, in this matchup, it's hard to go against Finch. So I've known both these women since we were 11. <laughs> They're both my year. We're both the same, all three of us, the same year from Southern California. I played with Amanda. She was my roommate starting at 13 years old for the Gordon's Panthers and then playing against them in, in college. And then there were my Olympic teammates. So this is like awful. It's like choosing between two sisters, like, because I, I know these women from my childhood. And honestly, Amanda Freed was always better. Um, I mean, they were always up against each other and we, and we were talking UCLA, Arizona, but even in high school, like they battle each other from Orange County in CIF championships, like facing both of them. This rivalry goes back to when they were nine, 10 years old. Um, I felt like Jenny really grew into her own in college um, because uh, I'm telling you, Amanda was the best athlete I've ever played with. I mean, she literally, I don't know if you guys remember this at UCLA, she hurt like her rotator cuff um, from pitching and couldn't pitch for like a month. She literally played outfield left-handed. She put her glove, got a left-handed glove, and played center field left-handed so that she could continue to hit and be in the lineup. That tells you ever, never having practiced it. This is Amanda Freed in a nutshell. Like, she would always just do stuff like that. And we're like, of course, only Amanda. So Amanda was an amazing athlete. But Finch, what she did in college, the record, her undefeated season her senior year, playing against her. I remember we lost at our senior year. Our season ended at the World Series. We took third place because of Finch. We were part of that win. Uh, and what she did. So it's hard to go against, but I will say that Amanda Freed, I felt like was better overall. Um, and we saw her continue to hit and play outfield on the Olympic team. I would like to know what sicko put them in the same bracket, knowing yeah. they've been rivals since they were 11 years old. <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe. Um, who, who are you blaming? Who are you blaming? Yeah. Should we blame that on uh, Maverick? I think that was Maverick that made that decision. <laughs> need for speed he mistook it for the need for freed i believe is what happened and so he put those two together um and it was also another arizona versus ucla matchup so that was fun too uh but uh so i think we've got two for finch i don't oh it's too hard i don't want to choose Hmm. The whole ambidextrous outfielder pitcher who rakes really adds another element. You know what? I'm actually I, I'm going with Freed. I'm going to go with Freed, and I, I this is awful. This is I'm getting phone calls from both of them. Like this is awful right now. But Freed is the absolute underdog. I'll go Finch is the biggest Finch. name in our sport. To Finch, what Shro say? Well, okay, I'm I'm trying to determine. What, like why we vote for something. So this is pitchers who rake. That's the name of the bracket. Okay. So if I were to vote, which I'm not telling you how I'm going to vote yet for pitchers who rake, I think that Jenny is a pitcher who raked. Now, if I had to pick one to be on my team, I would pick Amanda Freed. No doubt. She would be the one that I would choose on my team. So 
um, selection committee, are are there bullet points that we're supposed to be voting yes, off of? Yes, collegiate hitter and pitcher. Like, who yeah. did the most in college? Okay. I, I am considering in my head who is the one that I would not want to throw to with a game at the line and who is the one that I would not want to face with the game on the line. Then I, then I go free. Free. All right, two to two. Uh, let's see, who's had the pressure already? Have I voted yet? I can't remember. I thought so much in my head. I can't remember. I've got uh, I, me and Smitty for Finch, uh, Schroeder and um, Mendoza for Freed. Finch for Holly. Holly Finch. Two. Okay. Well, I love how Holly jumped right in there, so the, uh, the, the monkey now is on Scarborough's back. <laughs> All the pressure, or do we go back to Vegas Vicky yet again, who will not be able to use the excuse that championships matter because they both have one? Man, I really want to see Vegas Vicky again. I love it whenever she gets to come on. Um, I can't look past the 50 home runs that Jenny Finch hit in her career, 195 RBIs, so I got to go with Finch. Saving America from another look at Vegas Vicky. Uh, how about um, Scott and Garcia? Of course, Rachel, her career is still – um, perhaps unfinished. It's going to be real interesting to see if she will wait another year to play in the Olympics and then come back again. Uh, but uh, she's got over 80 wins. Of course, Scott over 100 and all that power. And, and Rachel, we saw what she could do uh, with the bat at last year's World Series. Yeah, Can I, I just say yeah. – oh, sorry, go, go Amanda. Okay. Two-time okay. National Player of the Year. Oh. Garcia has a vote from Holly. I just want to say that Amanda Scott was straight up mean. Like she was like, had that Danielle Laurie. Like I, I watched her play and she was a mean, bad mamma jamma. Like she was that person that you did not want to cross. She would throw the ball up your face if she could. Like there was real fear when you were facing her. My vote does go to Rachel Garcia. And I just feel like because overall, just to see what she's done within her career and obviously, and she will get like the vote to me, but I just want to mention that Amanda Scott was someone that you did not want to get in the batter's box against. And she was like, literally like the definition of like someone that was a, like a, I can't say the word probably on this. I'm not sure if we have bleeping abilities, but she was that. And you a bad, mamma jamma. a bad, a bad, bad, bad mamma jamma. I'm going to go uh, with uh, Garcia. That's three. Any other? I go with Garcia too, but I agree 100%. Amanda Scott was nasty. She probably should have been on that 2000 Olympic team. Amazing drop ball. Man, would like hammer your toes. She just. We've got our region final set, everybody. It's Finch versus Garcia, Arizona, UCLA in that showdown. We've got uh, Smitty versus Para. We've also got Hager versus Lori and Lisa versus Kehlani. So we still have a couple of Bruins. We've got a couple of Wildcats, and we're back to Florida and Washington. Lauren Hager and Danielle Laurie for a spot in the national semifinals. This is the one-seed Hager and the two-seed Laurie. This is Babe Ruth, Lauren, 70 wins, 70 home runs. This is the D-Lo with the V-Lo. I think if you look up nasty uh, in the dictionary for softball pitchers, I think you might find her picture there. Who wants to put up the, who wants to cast the first ballot? Bueller? Bueller? 
I'm going to go with Hager. I'm going to go with Hager on this. This is this is very tough, but I'm going to go with her just because of what she did with those 70 home runs and 70 wins. That's going to be the reason I pick her. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to um go with that too. I mean, it's hard cuz I love in the circle. I'd pick Danielle Laurie with the bat. I'd probably pick Hager, but Hager's ability to have 71 home runs and over 70 wins in the circle as well. I, I I'm going to go with Hager on that one as well. Yeah, you can't fight the 70-70 club. I, I don't want either of them to beat me up for not voting up for them. Um, but remember, Hager has the two natties. Two natties. Hager, I think that um, Danielle had other people in the lineup that helped her. You know, she wasn't the only person in the lineup. And I think Hager was primarily the biggest piece of their team. And she carried that team. I mean, she absolutely carried Florida that year, 70 and 70 We've never seen it be done before, and I'm not sure if we'll ever see it be done again. So I think Lauren Hager has to advance. Even though we all love Danielle, we all respect her. Um, it, it was unprecedented what Lauren did. This is another bad seating by somebody. I don't know who did that. <laughs> I don't know how we just wanted the committee to move people around because they would have ended up matched up with someone. <laughs> I, I just want to say that Smitty picked – the hitting part of a pitcher over the pitch. I'm just going to throw that out there that Whoa. let's just say that, that hitting is more important than the pitching and, and mark, just mark that for a future world series battle and argument. Okay. Can everyone as witnesses just remember that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Lauren Hager has advanced to the semifinals. All right. Lisa and Kaylani toe to toe on this one. Who wants to start it out? Doza. It's a no doubt. Like, Fernandez all the way. And Keilani, we gave her so much love because it was a, a battle, honestly, against her and Langenfeld to get to this point. And Ricketts will be forever remembered in Oklahoma. Lisa Fernandez is like. Yep. I'll go. I'll go Lisa as well. That's two for Lisa. 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 All right. Lisa. Lisa Fernandez is moving on. So our first semifinal is set, folks. Jot it down. It will be Lauren Hager against Lisa Fernandez. And I know Holly's not going to like that matchup either. We'll blame, we'll blame that one on the kid from Sandlot. Um, how about Michelle Smith, ladies and gentlemen, against Susie Para? Um, it, are, are we going to save Smitty again from voting for or against herself or do, should we have her take the lead here? Have her take the lead. Michelle, what you got? Oh my goodness. Smitty and Susie. Uh, you know what? And I know this is, um, I, I voted for her earlier. Uh, I did not vote for her against uh, Megan Good, but I am going to um, vote for her. Just going back to what Jen Schroeder said, only because, um, you know, as I said, I played with Susie, and she was amazing. She really was the pitcher that started all those national championships for Arizona. She's now, and Jess was giving me a hard time, she was more pitcher than hitter, but the fact is she still swung the bat. She still did very good. She had a two seventy five batting average um, and uh, – in her senior year. Um, so I'm going to go there. Okay. But if you say you played with her, yeah. who was the, who was better on that team? Well, I, you know, I, she was good. You know, I just, she was awkward. Awkward. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. I, you can I, say you're better. You can say it. It's okay. <laughs> if you were better, Michelle, don't make Mendoza's husband call you and yell at you for not voting for yourself. Okay. I know. I know. All right. Okay. So. All right, so a flip. You flipped from par to smith. Right. Okay. okay, okay. All right. 
Anyone else? This is this is a lot of eye tests because the numbers are obviously with the with that era are are not going to be the same. Um, Can you give us the number. So I, Give us the number breakdown. Okay, so, so Susie does have the pitching numbers. Over 100 wins, sub 100, a sub 1 ERA, a 268 average, though. Smitty's got her there, um, batting 343. 20 home runs for Para, 15 for Michelle, but Smitty did lead the nation one year, so that's big. Um, Smitty had 82 wins, but uh, probably did not have the um, – the protection from the team, I would say, as good as they were, the Cowgirls, uh, they were not Arizona at that time. And then Para, of course, has the championships. Um, Can I just so jump in? Because I know – Debbie Day, you know, by the way, who was also a great pitcher of that era in the early yeah. 90s for Arizona. Jess? Um, well, Schroeder mentioned Para and the legend that she was for Arizona, which I completely agree. But you got to, like, take back – like. Michelle Smith was legendary in that. I mean, literally, like I remember, I remember when she pitched for the running rebels, like we would like, she was the only person I ever knew of that pitched with her hair down. And she had this mane that you can see now. So she had this like intimidation. And I remember in high school facing her and I faced her and played with her. This was like, you know, still like I was, I was young. And I remember she took the mound and I was like, there's Michelle Smith. And it was like, heaven's opening up. Maybe not even heavens. It was almost like, just like, scary music okay like horror scene and she had this huge red mane and then as a left-handed hitter zero chance none like I mean she was legendary like the way she looked the way she pitched like obviously she hit too but I mean I don't know I think she's on par with para when you talk about legends within that time so what was that a vote for that was Smitty (laughs) Smitty all right just to show, just to reinforce how intimidating she was, my hair actually looks like Michelle, but it was so intimidating for me to actually look like that that Holly said I should start straightening my hair again like I do when I'm on television. That's a Smitty vote for me. The lioness. I, I'm going Smitty, and this is a really hard one again because I think we all know Para is a legend. She won national championships. But I just know what Michelle overcame. I know that she was uh, unique in her era, and um, it, it's really hard to go against someone that you know and, and have talked softball with for all these years. So this one is a really hard one. And uh, maybe if we worked with Susie Parra all these years, we would have said something different. But I'm going with Smitty, too. All right, Michelle Smith is moving on. That brings us to our final region final and it is Arizona, UCLA. It is National Player of the Year versus National Player of the Year. It is National Champ versus National Champ. It is an icon that elevated the game to a whole nother level back into the early 2000s. And it is a player that perhaps was on the same trajectory uh, to elevate the game to an even higher level in uh, Rachel Garcia. So who do, who wants to start this one? Jenny and Rachel head to head for a uh, a matchup with Smitty in the semis. I'm gonna go. I'll start us off with a Finch vote. I'll start us off with a Finch vote. I, I was shocked. You know, you, you you talk about players that change the game off the field. I was really I, I was really shocked when I went back and looked at at what she had accomplished on the field. Over a thousand strikeouts. Over a hundred wins. Well, as a 300 hitter, and as Amanda referred to earlier, the 50 home runs really pops off the page. 
I'm going to go Finch here too, Beth, and I know we have to hurry a little bit, not that much time left in the show, but Jenny Finch, it's hard to ignore what she did for college softball, how she's put it on the map. I think that Jenny Finch was the reason college softball started to explode, and that's no disrespect to anyone else who came before her, but um, her stride out of the circle was fearsome, and um, I think what she did with the bat, I think people have forgotten what a great hitter she was, and I'm glad we're doing this to, to point out how fierce she was at the plate as well. Yeah. Uh, I was actually going to vote Rachel, to be honest. Um, I I, I think about um, the amount of tape and film and pressure and media attention and everything that she accomplished uh, in just three years, too. Remember, she hasn't gotten that fourth year to play. Um, And when we look at specifically the hitting numbers, I mean, what if, you know, she had a senior year for Rachel and she hit 25 home runs? So um, I think with the film and everything that Rachel did and overcame and, like, built and built and built in the three years that she did play in UCLA so far, I'm going to give it to Rachel. And so, Amanda, like, to that point, my vote goes to Finch. However, I think that if we do this again in two years, that's not saying my vote after Rachel's finished won't be for Rachel. Yeah, that's a great point. That's yes. exactly how I feel, 100%, because Rachel is still to be determined. And mm-hmm. um, she's going to be another one of those Bruins that is, is has a very long career. She redshirted, remember that. So uh, she comes back from the Olympics. Depending on what she does, those are all big questions. Um and plays another year, it, it could be amazing to see see what the opportunities are for her and the records that she could set. So the next pandemic, we will be able to revisit this. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm hoping it won't come to that, but we can revisit anyways. All right, we've got our, uh, our final four. Lauren Hager, Lisa Fernandez, Michelle Smith, and Jenny Finch, the number one seeds all hold. So first semifinal, ladies, Lauren Hager against Lisa Fernandez. Uh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Lisa. Point two two ERA, uh, just iconic. And I think too, Lisa did it all four years. We really remember Lauren as a true pitcher hitter, specifically in her senior year. When you look at her pitching stats, her first three. Not to say she didn't impact the team because she did, but what sticks out the very most is her senior year. While Lisa did it all four years. Yeah, and for me, I think it's Lisa Fernandez as well. And I look more on, instead of the power of the home run, I look at the batting average. Lisa Fernandez hit for average. Again, she was one of those athletes that still played with a dead ball. If she'd have played with a more lively ball, she probably would have had better power numbers. Um, and obviously in the circle, she was a beast. So I'm, I'm going with Lisa. All right, Lisa gets the nod there. She is into the championship matchup. Pitchers who rake the greatest pitching hitter or hitting pitcher in history. Michelle Smith versus Jenny Finch. Who's going to face Lisa in the final? Top seeds. Head to head on this one. Okay, I'm sorry, Smitty. You know the love is there, but I think we, for all the reasons we just said in our last bracket, we have to go Jenny Finch. More home runs. A lot more home runs. 50 home Um, runs. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, but we love you. Oh, no, I love you guys. And I, I... I agree 100%. There's, I, mean, I think it's the match, I think it's the matchup that America has been waiting for. It's got everything. It's got, uh, superstars in the circle. It's got superstars at the plate. It's got a Bruin. It's got a Wildcat. It also features Lisa versus Finch, the only two players in NCAA history that have capped off an undefeated season 
with a national championship. Lisa going 29 and 0 in 1992, Finch going 32 and 0 in 2001. Holy cow! Woo. I think if you ask both of them, like if they were on this voting for this, so Finch and Lisa were both voting, both of them would vote for Lisa. Lisa would tell you that she is the better pitcher and she knows it because she owns it. And the whole idea of humility doesn't work with Lisa, which is what made her great. She knew she was great. And Jenny knew she was great, but she also would tell you, I mean, she idolized Lisa. We were all the same age looking up to her, playing with her. I mean, she would literally, anything Lisa said, I was the same way. We all just were puppy dogs listening. Jenny would tell you that Lisa is the better pitcher that, that rakes. Lisa Fernandez's career ERA, 0.22. It's, it's, she only gave up 32 runs in all four of her years. Two national championships, two runner-up. I mean, she's in the championship all four years there. And just like what Jenny did for college softball, Lisa Fernandez did for the sport of softball. She is the first icon we've ever had. My vote goes to Lisa. I'm going to also go uh, with, with Lisa. Just again, going back to her batting average is not as much about power. It's about batting average. Um, I think if we would have had the best power hitting pitcher, it might have been late, uh, uh, Lauren Hager and Finch. But in this particular situation, I think with average, she led the, the nation in home run, excuse me, and batting average as well as in the circle with ERA. I think it's Fernandez. I yeah. think Lisa is the most mentally tough person we've ever seen in softball. Um, I think you can't discount her mental toughness. There's a reason that UCLA, even now, does what they call the Lisa Fernandez stat. They keep a stat of what you do with two strikes. And that's because when she was down, she was at her best. I think she's the most mentally strong player we've ever seen. And Lisa Fernandez, in my mind, is the GOAT of all time. She she had she was a member of a pitching staff back in those days as well. There were several other pitchers before her and after that would win national championships in the circle. So her her numbers could probably be even more gaudy if if there was an ace of the staff throughout her career. But I I, I think uh, I think for the most part people consider her to be the goat. She would get the the goat gets my vote if you'll allow me a rhyme. All right, I think that's it, folks. Pitchers who rake the greatest hitting pitcher, pitching hitter of all time is Lisa Fernandez. Yay. And we have a trophy. One of the women in this bracket. I think that Lisa's impact on Rachel Garcia can't be discounted either. And her work with Rachel, she has helped develop another one of our all time greatest pitchers who rake. So another kudos for Lisa. This was a whole lot of fun, gang. We, we've had the, the greatest slugger. Wow. Oh, wait a second. Both Bruins. Greatest slugger of all time, Stacey Newman. Greatest pitcher who rakes of all time is Lisa Fernandez. Um, we, we've definitely got greatest World Series moments still to come. We'll put a bracket together for that. I think we might need to put together a bracket of maybe an all-around uh, best all around, best teammate of all time. We're, we're going to work on that. We'll take your input as well at home. Send us your thoughts at seven innings podcast on your Twitter and your Instagram. We hope you've enjoyed the debate. Uh, first and foremost, it's a trip down memory lane, but also a little bit of history for you. Some of those players, the, the greats of the past that you may not have had a chance to watch. We hope you have a greater appreciation appreciation for some of the greats of the game. And uh, a reminder to uh, Alex Wilcox, the wall sit challenge next Tuesday. Is that correct, Holly Rowe? We want to see a lot of videos out there. 
guest Tuesday. We want to see you post your videos. Um, we will talk about those, and I think we should all do it together when we tape our podcast next Monday. Yes. And we'll see our video. It's a deal. I'm going to start practicing now. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you again next week on the 7 Innings Podcast.